And welcome back. You're tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are broadcasting from the University of California campus in Irvine. We're streaming on the web at KUCI.org. We are always available via podcast, both on KUCI's website as well as Kimberly Martin's site. I'm your guest host, Marie Stone. Kimberly Martin is out, but I'm happy, happy to be here. And uh, as you always know, this show is an informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. The guests on this show are all people who are serving their community in a meaningful way. And I'm really pleased this morning to be joined by Nicole Boyce, founder of Global Genes. And uh, we are talking about rare diseases today. Um, Rare diseases impact um, so many more people than I realized. So I think this is a really important topic, really relevant to uh, the UCI community with all the wonderful research going on here. So my pleasure to welcome Nicole. Nicole founded Global Genes in 2008 with the goal of helping families affected by rare disease connected with tools, resources, and much-needed support, helping eliminate the challenges of rare diseases. Since its inception, Global Genes has impacted hundreds of thousands of patients worldwide. Nicole was personally touched by rare disease through friends whose sons struggled to find a diagnosis for over two and a half years. Once diagnosed, they learned that there were neither treatments nor cures for their son's disease. Uh, So she understands the importance of finding a diagnosis and has built an organization to help address this problem. Nicole has held numerous consulting, sales, and marketing executive roles in her 25 years of experience. She's worked with world-class organizations in media, pharmaceutical, and high-tech sectors, sharing Plow, CMP Media, United Business Pharmaceutical and High Tech Sectors, um, Burrell and Company. She's a graduate of the University of California, San Diego. She is a proud wife and mother of two and uh, adopted mother of two dogs. Maybe we'll get to hear more about those. Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much for coming on. This, uh, like I said, is is such a relevant, important topic, and there's some exciting stuff going on. So I want to I want to get into all of that. Um, so I introduced you, but I I always find uh, a person introduces themselves best. So maybe you you want to add a little bit more to that introduction. Talk about how you became. Um, personally affected by this and, and how Global Genes got off the ground. Sure. Thank you. Um, so everyone has someone that they adore and love. And for me, uh, my friend's son was born here in Laguna Beach, California. He was born unexpectedly with extra fingers and toes, bowed bones. Um, for the first six months of his life, he was uh, seeing all these different specialists and to no avail, uh, no one understood what was wrong. He, they thought he was blind at one point. He wasn't progressing in the hospital. He had such low tone muscle. He wasn't feeding. He was um, having bouts of pneumonia and bronchitis. So there was just a bunch of different problems and challenges. And so mom and dad were sent home with little baby Derek, and um, they were sent home with no prognosis and no diagnosis. So imagine you know, being sent home and not knowing what tomorrow held for this little one that you love and adore. Um, So I saw the impact that this had on my friends and um, through their journey over the next three years, you know, I started meeting other families of kids that were undiagnosed as well as people uh, that had other children and loved ones that had these really strange named conditions that I'd never heard of. And as someone who's been in the biotech sector for a long time, I thought it was strange that I wasn't familiar with any of these. So it was kind of 
you know, that observation and seeing the impact, not only psychosocially, but financially um, and everything, the way that this impacted my friends, the fact that there were no resources, no one knew what was going on. It was just overwhelming for them. And so, um, you know, I decided that there was just an opportunity to kind of help. And I think what my biggest catalyst was outside of the impact on, um, you know, Kelly, my friends and their son, Derek, um, was when I started doing research and this was 18 years ago, um, and started looking into this world of rare disease. And it was so mind blowing to me that the, the statistics that I heard that it, it was kind of what my, my kick in the pants that I needed to go out there and try to do something. So just some of the statistics and I'm sure no one would gather that, that these even exist. So one in 10 Americans, so one in 10 of our friends and family and loved ones or one in 10 UCI students have a rare disease. Wow. Right. So one in 10 Americans have a rare disease. That's about 30 million people impacted in the U S about 50% of those are children. Um, and about an additional two-thirds, so roughly another 60 million people are caregivers of someone with a rare condition. There's 7,000 known rare conditions and more being discovered every day as the UCI genetics department could attest to. Um, So it's a massive community that affects over 350 million people worldwide. So when I started looking into these statistics and realized that today there are zero cures and less than 5% of the 7,000 plus diseases have any treatment. Wow. It was mind blowing. Yeah. And, and then you see the impact on patients and it was that, that's kind of what the catalyst was for me to say, let's go out there and try to help. Yeah. Um, so hence is the, the, is the 50% of it being children number because life expectancy is shortened by a lot of these diseases and that's why it's child heavy. Yes, yes, gotcha. absolutely. Um, gotcha. There's a statistic out there that says about 80% of those kids that are diagnosed will not live past the age of five. Um, we're hoping with some of, you know, our better understanding of these conditions, um, you know, new technologies and science, um, other alternative forms, of, you know, therapies and treatments outside of, you know, biologic or, a, you know, a prescription medicine. Um, that we're extending the lives of these kids. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, so you started it in 2008 and, but you've been in the field for 25 years. So talk a little bit about what, um, what your career led up to, led up to uh, giving yeah. birth to global genes. So, I mean, I have had, um, I, I'm very much someone who thinks like a marketer and, um, is someone who's also a grinder salesperson <laughs> at the end of the day. So I think what my cat, you know, I've had multiple positions in biotech and pharma companies in investment banking firms focused on investing in biotech and pharma, um, in media outlets, much like this, you know, events, et cetera. But I think, I think, you know, a, a culmination of all that experience just kind of, uh, led to, I think, um, the confidence in kind of stepping into this world of healthcare and trying to help these families. So we work very closely with biotech and pharma, with researchers. In fact, we've worked very closely with um, some Dr. Virginia Kimonis, who's here at UCI, 
Um, we work with, in fact, we've honored some individuals, uh, researchers here also at UCI um, at some past events. So we work very closely with the science and medical community. We work closely with patients. So I think that past experience has also kind of given us, um, you know, a, a head start when we wanted to, you know, kind of jump into this world of nonprofit because we had contacts and people that from my past, you know, were able to help us get this moving forward. So, so cool. Um, are there a couple of rare, just to kind of bring this into a, um, personal note, are there, are there a couple of rare diseases that you can highlight? I know you highlighted your friend's disease. Um, some of the ones that you have kind of sure. seen come across the transom. Yeah. I like to say some of the most common rare diseases that most people have heard of are cystic fibrosis and muscular dystrophy with rare forms of muscular dystrophy, like Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, there are um, some other somewhat known rare diseases that people may have heard of, like Huntington's disease or ALS. Um, there's, um, you know, really, um, you know, adrenal leukodystrophy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, metachromatic leukodystrophy. There's a lot of these crazy name conditions um, that affect an ultra rare population. So just so that everyone knows, um, rare disease in the U.S. is defined as impacting less than 200,000 lives. That seems like a lot, but, you know, it's vastly different from heart disease, right, that affects millions of lives. Um, on the large percentage of rare disease, however, is it focuses or impacts less than 8,500 people worldwide and that's about 80% of the rare disease population. So imagine that's worldwide. So um, the big rare diseases that I just mentioned, like cystic fibrosis and Duchenne muscular dystrophy, affect 20,000 lives, basically. Right. And and so um, just to kind of put that in perspective, um, Neiman Pick C, you know, mm. less than 1,000 lives around the globe. Gotcha. Um, you know, until recently, too, uh, and... Thanks to a lot of the work here at UCI, um, there's this, you know, advance in technology around genetic testing and genetic sequencing that is allowing us to diagnose patients much more quickly. In the past, it was taking on average of eight years to actually find a diagnosis. So that makes it really rough if you're a parent or your loved one has a rare disease and you don't know what the heck they have. So um, we're grateful for a lot of the efforts with institutions like UCI and even the UC system that are really um, putting a lot of effort into genetics, you know, genetic testing, you know, and helping create um, rare disease centers of excellence to help treat these patients. Because as of five years ago, that wasn't the norm. And we're seeing it um, evolve. And UCI has been um, a real driver and leader, not only locally, but, you know, around the country. Um, with the focused effort here. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, one of the things that I really hadn't realized that I'm now kind of appreciating is if you have a disease, there are a lot of uh, different takes on it, right? And so if you just have a classic, like you say, cancer is some umbrella term of what really amounts to a lot of different you know, mutations and cellular mutations that manifest themselves in different ways. And it sounds like that's really what the, the case is with some of these rare diseases that you have um, cystic fibrosis, but it's got all these different um, nuanced diseases that can't be treated in, in standard, you know, one size Absolutely. fits all ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you're, you're spot on with cancer. I mean, 
um, you know, if you have a cancer that has tumors, then we work to attack the tumors and get rid of the tumors, right? right. Um, <clears throat> so, but with rare disease, I mean, there's categories of diseases um, that, like lysosomal storage disorders, um, where they're looking at new technologies like... Um, like the CRISPR technology and gene editing that's helping, um, you know, focus on um, kind of a one-time fix, right? right? But we're kind of far far away a little bit. But the good news is that there's, you know, an increased investment and effort here um, to try to use these new technologies to help find the first cure for rare disease. That's cool. So in the nine years that you've been um, working with um, global genes, have you seen tremendous amount of change over the Oh, yeah. I mean, just, just from what we, we just talked about, I mean, as, as little as five years ago, we weren't really talking about sequencing. I mean, where it, now it's common, right? Now we're working on trying to get insurance to cover it and make it a standard of care or a standard, you know, way to get diagnosed early on um you know so so it's neat to see that that's really ramping up also there's increased investment with biotech and pharma companies um you know in rare diseases so they're building rare disease divisions to focus on these ultra rare diseases what is really cool is that um and francis collin who who heads up the nih said this you know, we, we are understanding more about the bio, our, our human biology, right? And, but a lot of it we still don't know. But in investing and looking into rare diseases is actually helping us better understand some of the more common conditions and the mm-hmm. impact that they have. So investing in Neiman Pixie, which is a neurodegenerative disease, has implications for Parkinson's and, and Alzheimer's. So there's that trickle-up effect. So it's it's definitely cool to see kind of, you know, what was, you know, the traditional investment model um, turned upside down, and now there's a, more of an emphasis on rare disease. So we are lucky. I think that this is definitely the decade for rare disease, and, um, you know, we as an organization are just are grateful that we can be part of it. That's so cool. That's so cool. You are tuned in to Real People of Orange County on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My guest today is Nicole Boyce. Am I saying your last name right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I really meant to <laughs> really meant to clarify that. She is the founder of Global Genes, and we are talking about rare diseases, um, some promising things on the rare disease front. One thing that struck me is it must be so very frustrating to see all of these incredible advancements being made in the wake of the whole insurance quagmire and, you know, what's going on there. I guess that's a whole different radio show, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, it must be acknowledged um, that it's it's got to be frustrating to see so many advancements made, so many cool breakthroughs, and the money just not, not either not being there or not being appropriated, you know, appropriately. appropriately <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, I mean, you know, kind of jumping into what we do as an organization. I mean, you know, the reality is, is is that there's not a lot um, of coordination or there hasn't been um, for rare disease. Each disease has kind of taken on um, their own kind of um, fight, right? Mm-hmm. 7,000 disease, little diseases like out there fighting this fight. And I think what we're, what we over the last several years and in, in kind of the, you know, goals of Global Genes was really to look at, um, 
you know, what happens when we can kind of aggregate this community and bring people together regardless of disease? There's so much that can be shared. There's so much opportunity to create strength, right, strength in numbers that we don't have when we kind of are, are siloed in each disease. And so a lot of what we do is really working on kind of creating, you know, a, a community of sharing best practices and helping one another and, and learning from one another and, you know, helping mentor people. So Global Genes works hard in, in this. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to turn this back to what you said about insurance, but, um, you know, Global Genes works with the community to develop tools and resources and create events and, and and give people the net so that they can go forward and teach their those in their disease community how to fish because they have to be drivers. They have to be drivers individually within their communities, but then they also have to be drivers collectively. And this happens a lot around legislative issues, policy issues, insurance, et cetera. So we're starting to see this community get that, right? It, we are more powerful when we work together mm-hmm. um, and, and we're arm in arm kind of, you know, moving forward to fight this fight. And so it's cool to see that that's, you know, begun to happen over the last few years. And, um, and so, yeah, so, I mean, that's something, especially around policy and legislation, that's really important for us to all come together. Yeah. 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 Your point about the importance of this being so patient driven. I mean, I think all healthcare really now is becoming very patient driven that you really have to take responsibility for your own healthcare, no matter what disease you're suffering. Even if you're healthy, you kind of have to take mm-hmm. uh, the driver's seat and, and kind of how difficult and sad that must be when you're a scared parent or you're feeling sick or, you know, you're suffering from all of this and you're also having to wage this battle against, um, against the tide. So absolutely, it's horrible. And, you know, it's overwhelming. And, um, you know, that's, I think, well, first of all, that's what drives us as an organization every day, because you see, you see the stress, you see the impact that these diseases have on these families. But I think what's so amazing and what comes out of all of this is you see this incredible courage, you see this tenacity in these people that literally are leaving no stone unturned. They are you know, they are drivers and, you know, our job is to give them, you know, if to give them the tools or the ammunition that they need to go out there and fight this fight. And, um, and, you know, that's kind of what we do and why we do what we do. You know, we have an event that's coming up in September kind of on this note and, um, it's called the tribute to champions. And we, as a global organization, you know, look to, there's nominations that come in from all around the world. We had over 300 from, I think, 10 different countries. But it's in areas like medical care and treatment, advocacy, science, collaborations in science. And it's people that are really raising the bar and showing what great looks like and showing what needs to happen in rare disease to really move the needle. Because because status quo doesn't work for rare disease. So you have these individuals, despite the challenges, even when you're a researcher, you know, money's hard to get, you know, you have to stay the course when you commit to a patient of a rare disease that you're going to start working on something like there's no giving up. You're in it and it's not easy. So you have this incredible drive and compassion that we haven't seen in other, in other disease communities. It's pretty remarkable. And so 
you know, the tribute to champions gives us an opportunity to rep- to recognize those that are really rocking it for um, rare disease, and um, they're just amazing people. So, uh, you know, th- that is an event that happens on September 16th here, actually at the Grove in Anaheim, that is open to anyone um, to attend, but it's a really amazing time where the community kind of honors those, um, you know, individuals, celebrity, um, you know, f- it rare disease does not discriminate so it touches everyone and um Mm -hmm. it's just amazing to see what people are doing to help advance efforts raise awareness raise funding binding treatments rocking the world for the disease that they care about so do the um 300 companies and 10 countries are they all coming in September, we have we'll have about eight hundred people. Um, wow! The the three hundred they were nominations for uh-huh. people. So and those come from patients from around the world. They come from just normal people. They come from people that that see individuals um, in the media and say, "Oh my God, have you seen this person?" For example, there's this little young man. His name's Sparsh Shah. And um, he has a very rare disease called osteogenesis imperfecta. I think he's had like 145 different surgeries in his very mm. short life. He's 12 or 13. Incredible young mm. man. Is a rapper. Um, has the most amazing TED Talk ever. And he's this little amazing man um, who's out there trying to change the world for rare disease. He's not. He's not, you know, feeling bad about his situation and and the disease that affects him he's out there thinking about how can i change the world for people like me and that's humbling for all of us you know and and that's that's a young kid so it's people like that that you know we have the good fortune of getting being put in front of and not only do they inspire us at global genes but they inspire everyone that you know is in our orbit and so i encourage people to you know, look into the tribute to champions. I think it's just an incredible time. It's at a super fun venue this year, and um, I I promise it will rock people's world. <laughs> is he gonna rap? He is. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I saw a YouTube video of this of this man, little fellow. He is incredible. He's incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So there's more. We always have little surprises. There's always celeb, um, um, really amazing entertainment. Um, and there's always this really special vibe that runs through it, right? Because it's a really unique community. I mean, yeah. everyone's rare. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we'd love for you to come too. I, <laughs> I might do that. It's um, how many years has this been going on? This the is the sixth year. Oh, that's mm-hmm. incredible. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So 800 people on the descending on the grove on the blue carpet on the blue carpet of the grove and it goes on for a couple of days uh well we have we have three distinct events so we have a patient advocacy summit that's the largest kind of aggregation of patients in the world that that descend on irvine california um and uh they are there to learn and so they um it's a conference they learn about everything from capacity building and care and support to drug development to new science and tech innovations and how they're impacting rare disease. So we kind of have something for everyone regardless of where they are on this journey. So that happens over two days. Um, and then the capstone to that event is is really this tribute to Champions of Hope. 
There is another event that I'd love to mention because I think it's really relevant for a lot of people here at UCI. So um, we have, for the first time, we're bringing together science innovators and investors together focused on rare disease innovation. That is happening also on Thursday, September 14th. So um, the UCI Tech Tramp tech transfer office should be very interested in this. Um, Those that are investing um, in ideas related to rare disease that are focused on preclinical research that haven't had investment yet, um, there's an opportunity to be there to pitch in a Shark Tank style competition that will will open up soon for um, people interested in participating. There will be prize money and prizes, consulting from major consultancies like big pharma and biotech companies that want to help spur new innovation in rare disease. Um, And then there's an opportunity to partner and meet with different types of investors that are looking to seed early stage investors. And that includes money from patient advocacy orgs too, because like we talked about, patients are becoming investors Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs. So it's it's a great time to come. Um, you know, if you are in that world to um, meet, um, share your science, share your ideas, um, and look for potential investors. So, um, is the are you drawing from a um, national audience of yes. investors? Yep. that's great. Yep. That's wonderful. And people can go to um, the globalgenes dot org website under rare partnering, and you can see the types of um, investors. Science incubators, science, science, and biotech accelerators, um, investors, all of these that are going to be there, and other types of organizations. There's science. There's platform companies. Um, you know, there's a great, amazing organization that's using Watson to help take phenotypic information from patients, meaning like symptoms and, you know, not necessarily like a stat or data from a genetic test, but more about how this disease is impacting my family in all these different ways and actually helping diagnose patients more quickly, which is very important using IBM Watson. So there's a lot of really amazing companies that will be there. Um, it's an, it's a really exciting time. It's an exciting time for people focused on rare disease for patients, it's providing hope because there's activity and energy around uh, rare disease like never before. It's an amazing time for patients, and I invite anyone who knows any any patients to please come. It's local um, patient advocates, parents um, to come and learn and connect with others. It's an incredible time for community and family. We haven't really had that in rare disease before, and that's really something special that happens for the summit for those that are looking for investment to partner um, outside of academia, it's a great place to come on the science side. And then if anyone wants to be blown away with an amazing event, um, to, to just meet some incredible individuals, teens, patient advocates, we have some um, winners from London and from Ireland that are flying out to accept their awards. It's just, it's an amazing kind of few days of all things rare disease. So cool. That's so cool. I was going to ask what the other countries, what other countries are sort of the leaders in research and and development? Yeah. um, We see a lot coming out of the UK. We see a lot coming out of um, some of the European countries um, in Australia, where there's a real need um, is in Latin America, um, Pan-Asia, and India right Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. where they need 
coordination. They, they need help coordinating patient communities. Um, you know, there's early kind of stage um, organization and research happening, but they really look to the U.S. and the U.K. as real leaders here. Um, and so, but there's a lot of work from an advocacy perspective that needs to happen globally. Yeah. 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 I was wondering if there are centers where the diseases, where there are more patients suffering than there is research going on. And it does sound like there's a little oh, imbalance. Absolutely. And you know, this is pretty new, this community. There's not a lot of market research that's been done quite yet globally, but in areas where religion has, um, mm. a big play and, um, in, you know, marital union, um, there's an increase in, um, in different types of genetic diseases. Um, so where I hadn't thought of that, but right. Good Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. So, and, but there hasn't been like a real coordinated global effort yet to really analyze and, and really understand all that's happening. So there's a, a very good chance that, the statistics will be higher than one in 10 in those countries, but we don't quite know yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. You are tuned into Real People of Orange County. I am here with Nicole Boyce. She is the founder of Global Genes, and we are talking about rare diseases and all of the exciting and, dare I say, fun things that are going on uh, within the next month to honor and tribute some of the um, some of the fighters and survivors, some of the researchers and some of the investors. Um, there's a UCI professor that I hear is uh, is being honored uh, at last year's tribute for her work. And I was wondering if you could highlight yeah. her for us. There was there was a couple, Dr. Califf and Dr. Lander, um, geneticists whose daughter was diagnosed with a rare disease, um, Cornelia, Cornelia DeLange syndrome. Um, they were honored for their scientific work in identifying the gene that actually causes that condition. Mm-hmm. So um, they were awarded last year for their efforts in science. Um, and, um, you know, they've been a huge, I mean, their, um, you know, what they uncovered has really helped um, move potential treatments and understanding of the disease forward. Which is kind of ironic of the 7,000 diseases. I realized we are actually honoring a, um, a uh, physician, a clinician who um, has been a real driver for Cornelia DeLange syndrome, um, uh, you know, on the, on the clinical side. So helping patients. Okay. So it's, it's interesting. So Dr. Lander and Dr. Califf, we need you to come out to support <laughs> this one or this year. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and innovation is happening, happening everywhere, even throughout the UC system. I mean, we're really fortunate here in California. When you look at the U.S., there's a lot of innovation that's coming out of San Diego, mm-hmm. here in Irvine, you know, Orange County area, out of the Bay Area. And then we see other hubs like Massachusetts and New Jersey. Um, so, I mean, we're fortunate and we have a lot of people that are really focused on helping drive um, you know, a better understanding of these of these diseases that are innovating around the science, around the technology, you know, and that's really, you know, it's, I'm very optimistic and, and I do believe like, you know, things keep happening in warp speed for rare disease because they have to, right? Um, and uh, I'm just, I feel very fortunate that, you know, we live in a state that has committed so much to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And the nice thing about the internet and Skyping and all of that is that the, the, the world has become so much smaller, and so these patients can connect up, I assume, with each other and, and give each other support, even if they're on different continents and, you know, Absolutely. in different societies. I mean, it. and that's really the norm for rare disease. I mean, you'll have, um, for example, um, there's a disease uh, that's called um, NGLY1, NGLY1. And um, uh, when someone that I know, their daughter was diagnosed with that, they were number three um, in the world um, diagnosed with this disease. Um, what's interesting over the last three years, they, you know, put up a web page, Facebook community. So in this, this is how patients are driving things now. So in, in about three and a half years from diagnosis, they've identified 35 other patients around the world. Wow. Um, they have 50 researchers now interested in working on this neurodegenerative disease. And the parent is starting a biotech company to help drive, um, you know, early research in with this disease. So, I mean, and all that happened in three and a half years. That's unheard of, right? But you, when you have a child that has a life-limiting condition, you can't sit and wait around. And so what's happening is in the life sciences sector, all this innovation is coming out of rare disease because it has to, because you have to think outside the box. You have to innovate. One of our award winners this year is actually from Canada. He is out of um, sick children, but um, the hospital, but um, also has um, is the founder of Rare Disease Foundation. And he has started funding, which we're, um, we are involved in, microgrants for oh, graduate students that have ideas for rare disease. And the amount of money that they get with these microgrants is is creating this incredible incredible groundswell of of early investment and, and ideas that are moving down kind of the, the path to a potential treatment. Thirty five hundred dollars. Wow. Is what it what it takes or what these kids win for some of their real innovative ideas and in tackling some of these rare diseases. So I think what's interesting is with rare disease now, we know that you can get stuff going from a bake sale. You can get stuff going, you know, with um, seeding a little bit of money to get people caring about the condition. And that's empowering for patients to know that they can keep creating forward movement for their disease. But again, patients have to start it because biotech you know, you have to get it down that food chain before you get real investment like that. So patients have to be drivers. And, and um, anyway, so so back to your statement about go back to that because that's really interesting. So how do how do these microgrants work? You you personally start like a lemonade stand and raise thirty five hundred dollars and then offer it up to college students who are coming up with the ideas. Or well, how? so it's all it's an actual formal program that comes out of Rare Disease Foundation. So they started this microgrant effort. So the call out goes out to students. This is um, and it, it's globally. So I think that they've given over four hundred grants in to, in ten different countries um and it's and it's a $3,500 grant um we review and we actually fund the grants that come out of the U.S. but we don't know where when we're reviewing and we have review committees for all these grants we don't know technically what country they're coming from right mm -hmm. um but when the winners are decided Global Genes takes on the $3,500 grants for those that win out of the U.S., Rare Disease Foundation takes care of the grants out of um, Canada, 
and they've created partnerships with other organizations in other countries um, to fund these mm-hmm. microgrants. What I meant by by uh, a bake sale is it's encouraging to see that that with as little as thirty five hundred dollars that you can see you can a attract someone to think about your disease right. right and b you can get create some forward movement around ideas that might be helping so you have these really amazing kids that are you know um you know looking to become geneticists or researchers um you know and care about rare disease and are starting to put their amazing brain power and time into thinking about solutions thinking outside the box about how to attack some of these with the new technology that we have or the new science so it's it's really encouraging and very cool it's a cool time that is really cool because i feel like a lot of listeners may listen to this and say it feels too big or it feels too overwhelming or there's seven thousand diseases and how do we start and that's how you start i i think that that's a really encouraging way for people to say it doesn't take you know you you think of big pharma and you think this is going to take you know a billion dollars and it doesn't. And I, I think that's an important message to yeah. get out. Too. I mean, and, and, you know, the cost to develop a drug is coming down because of new systems and processes and, and the commitment by biotech and pharma to bring drug costs down. Mm-hmm. You know, with rare disease, you have very small patient populations. So the reality is, you know, they're for-profit entities, so they ha- can't lose money on the deal. But I do know that biotech and pharma have all gone above and beyond in rare disease to create ways to ensure that patients get drug. You know, if they if they can't afford it, that they get it for free. You know, even when it is expensive. I mean, every they understand that it takes a village and that we're all in this together. And um, so we're encouraged by 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 their involvement on the on the um, you know you can start something you know for very little money part of this world. Um, you know, we have a what we call a rare patient impact grant and. We give grants between five hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. Mm. You would be amazed what some people do with five hundred dollars, mm. right? They'll they'll create um, an educational program at a hospital around a particular rare disease and educate the nurses on signs and symptoms and what they can do for five hundred dollars. Yeah. They'll bring kids from you know three states to come together for the first time with a rare disease to have a sleepover and slumber party over a weekend where they get get to create that sense of community that they don't have. We have parents driving genealogy studies for their disease or creating um, registries of data for their community that we're funding. So, I mean, $500 to $15,000 in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money. Right. And that's one of the things, if I may see, be so bold as to, you know, share how people can get involved. I mean, we have at the Tribute, um, you know, we don't do, this is really about recognizing individuals. It's kind of like our a Communities Academy Awards. But we do one ask that night, and that ask is just to donate to the rare patient impact grant because the more money we get, the more grants we get to give. So it's a, it's literally a pass through and it goes right back out to the disease community. And like I said, for $500, we're, we're game changing things for some small diseases. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot that can be done because this community has learned to be very, um, mindful of every penny because we don't have a lot of it. So, um, do you think, could I invite your listeners please. to participate? Yeah, please. <laughs> we have a really easy, easy way for people to participate. Um, it's, you can text to donate and it's, um, you send a text to 41444 
And then in the text box, you just text RARE2017. And then you have a space and you type in your dollar, your $5, your $10, your $1,000. And um, that will go right into, um, you know, our bucket of money that goes right back out to these patients and their families. So um, there's more that you can learn about some of the programs that we funded as well. But like I said, every dollar makes a difference. We were talking internally, 30 million people have a rare disease. What if every person donated a dollar for the ones that they love or, you know, that would be $30 million that we could literally move mountains with for rare disease because we haven't had that influx of, of capital for this community yet. So of just are, the population who is just the population impacted by a rare disease. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So, and you know, we say a lot, everybody knows someone. So now that we've talked about statistics, we've talked about kind of, you know, those with rare diseases, you know, I encourage everyone to think about the people that they know, because we all know it is without question, um, statistically, every single person on this planet will know multiple people with rare diseases. So think about your friends, your, your, you know, um, your family, your extended family, your neighbors, the people that you work with. And you'll start noticing that, you know, when someone says, oh, my daughter has a seizure disorder. Now the question is, it it might not be up epilepsy or the epileptic seizures are a symptom of a rare disease. So now we as a community can be more equipped to ask different questions, right? Like, oh, they're having a seizure. They have seizures. Is it related to a rare disorder? Now that opens up new dialogue with these families, right? So, 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 you know, my hope today is, is that, you know, we're helping educate, you know, this amazing population here at UCI, about not only the great work that's being done here, the great work that's needed in rare disease, um, you know, what we do as an organization so that if people know of people, send them our way, we can help. Um, but then, you know, e- different ways that people can get involved just by, you know, creating greater awareness about this community and how vast and large it is, um, you know, and knowing that they, everyone, every single listener can actually make a difference. So cool. I want to also talk about um, the We Carry Kevin project because um, because it's an amazing story and and inspiring. And I feel like in this climate, if I may be so bold, political climate, we need a little more uh, encouraging stories. And this yes. this is great. I mean, uh, this whole conversation has really brought to mind how how if anything has come out of the the wreckage of the last year in politics, it's that people are awake and they're looking for ways that they can personally make a difference. And I think this is such a great example of that, of a, of a way that you can start to feel good about yourself again and feel good about, you know, the work that's being done and, and good about our country and good about science and all those important things. And so when I came across this We Carry Kevin story, it, it felt so inspiring. And I hoped you could share a little bit of that. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there are many uh, rare diseases that have um, neurodegenerative you know, aspects to it, meaning, you know, you lose a lot of function. Uh, And there's a disease called spinal muscular atrophy that has a variety of different forms. Um, Some of them are deadly um, early on. Kids don't live past the age of five, like what we talked about. Um, But some of them, you know, you are, you know, confined to a wheelchair and it's not like your little wheelchair that you get at Disneyland when, you know, you can't walk around. These are the big Mac Daddy electronic wheelchairs that you live in, basically. Um, and there's this amazing story of Kevin Chandler, 
who has an incredible group of friends and Kevin is in his thirties and you know, he's, he's a very spirited young man. Um, you know, he's involved with a lot of amazing other young men and they decided that it was time for Kevin to go see the world. And if you think about how difficult it is to travel anyway, imagine having to lug this big, humongous electronic wheelchair around. You can't, so it's limiting and you can't travel like, you know, someone without this type of disability can. So the these this young group of men went to REI, got a backpack and outfitted it so that they could actually bring Kevin around the world by carrying him. So they 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 outfitted this a backpack that could carry a young man and um they had to train for this <laughs> and the people that were carrying, but it prompted, um, which, which people can learn more, um, because they will be, not only are they being honored, but we're also showing their documentary out of this incredible journey. Um, they're starting a nonprofit. They have a documentary that is coming out and a book from Kevin, but, but what came out of it is, you know what, this is, this is empowering. This can empower other people to learn to quote unquote carry Right? right, how to train for it, how to what to do. They're they're working with um, some manufacturers to create backpacks that will allow people to carry kids, or young adults, or people with disabilities, so that they can go see the world. How amazing is that? And so, these young men have just started something that I think will probably become something that we hear about moving forward. And the nonprofit that they're uh, starting is one that will help encourage, you know, create awareness around this this opportunity to quote unquote carry and actually teach individuals how to train so that they can be prepared to, I mean, it's not easy carrying. Yeah. How much does he weigh? I'm not sure. I, I think guess, yeah. like 60 ish pounds. Yeah. So, um, but that's a lot, that's that's a lot, a lot yeah. to carry around and go hiking right. and see the world. So, um, right. it's an amazing story. So for those go to www.wecarrykevin, K-E-V-A-N, and you can learn more. You can also come meet him in person. He'll be out with his team um, September 14th. We'll do a documentary screening, which we would love to have your listeners come to see. Um, and we'll be doing a discussion after um, with them and the producers and to talk more about their story. And then they will be honored on Saturday night at the Tribute to Champions because how amazing is this young man? Here he's you know been confined to a wheelchair, and now his goal is to teach others about how they can enjoy this incredible planet that we're on. Like, he's amazing. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit. I think we've highlighted a lot of the events that are going to be going on that weekend, but are there others that... um that we need to know about. We've got, we've got our awesome rapper who's going to be performing and we have Kevin, um, and a panel and a screening of the documentary. Are there other things that our listeners should be aware of that are going on that weekend? Well, I mean, it's pretty, it's, and we have a nice calendar of events, um, for everyone to see. So we have, it's Thursday through Saturday. Um, we have the summit that's going on for a couple days. Um, we have the rare partnering investor forum, which is a separate event. And then we have the tribute on Thursday night or Saturday night. Um, 
there's a lot of the details you can find online um, or they can contact us um, and we can help get information to anyone who's interested um, by just going info at globalgenes.org on our site and we'll get right back to you. Um, there are a few other really amazing um, award winners. Some of them are teens. Um, one of them is Taylor Kane. She had a dad with um, adrenal leukodystrophy. And um, she started walks around the country, has helped raise money to fund research, and she did it all. Um, I think she started at the age of, of 13 um, to move this forward. She's a rock star. And so she's an inspiration to other teens to show them that it doesn't matter how old you are, you can actually really make a difference for those that you love. Claire Wineland um, is actually a cystic fibrosis um, patient and survivor right now. Um, she's based out of Los Angeles, I think Venice, and, um, she has been, she has, um, the Clarity Project, which Mm -hmm. is online. She has, um, a vlog and she has a huge following and she's really talking about really difficult topics like living with a life limiting condition and living Mm -hmm. and what that means and embracing, you know, the fact that, you know, you, you might be here, you know, in a, in a shortened capacity, you know, um, or not as long. And she's just an amazing voice for people with disabilities and these life limiting conditions. And she's an inspiration to so many. And so she's being honored. Um, there's advocates from Ireland and, um, here in the U S that are parent advocates that are like, we talked about funding research, really being drivers that are really showing other parent advocates that you can take action and really help move the needle for your disease. And, you know, there's no barriers. Um, we can architect what the future looks like for our kids. And then from a science perspective, we talked about Milan Patel, you know, mm. from Rare Disease Foundation. Um, but there's others, Annette Bacher from the child, um, f- uh, that's focused on funding research, the Children's Tumor Foundation, um, and in particular, neurofibromatosis, which is a, a devastating disease. Um, so, yeah, there's, I mean, it's amazing. So for anyone that's interested, please, we'd love to have the community here involved. You know, we're, we are very proud to call our home Orange County. We're hosting the Patient Summit Hotel Irvine, um, you know, which is the first time that it will be held here. So we're proud to be here. We um, love the local community. And we hope with the brilliance that's here and the compassion that we can inspire people to come and and either share or get involved. So cool. I always wonder if there is an uptick in rare diseases based on either what we're eating or changes in the environment or, you know, with all of the... um, biological, you know, different ways that uh, children are being conceived now. You know, I just wonder if this has always been a problem and we just haven't identified it or had the language for it or had the science for it, or if it's an increasing, increasing problem. I don't know if you have any insight on that. Yeah. I mean, well, there's assumptions, but I think, you know, I think back to, um, if you think about, and so I'm 50, so (laughs) I remember these really old cartoons of baby Huey. Yep. Okay. A big, big baby in a diaper, right? When you think back to that, um, I think about now what that relates to. So there are diseases that um, that um, impact intellectual growth, and a lot of some of that's in the autism spectrum. Just you know, one of some of the autism spectrum uh, disorders where you have an adult that has you know the intellectual capacity of a three year old, right? So I think now we have the ability to really hone in and look and say that's not just 
you know, my child who, you know, might not be as smart as my other kids. Like, this is a problem. So we're not accepting unknowns anymore, and we're looking to find answers, and therefore we're finding answers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, seizures, for example, were clumped into epilepsy. Oh, my child has a form of epilepsy. But now we know that that's not the case always the case it could be a genetic condition that that um, seizures are a symptom of the condition but then there's all these other symptoms that are associated with that disease so i think we are just learning more with the advent of you know genetic genetic sequencing and really understanding our human genome yeah right (laughs) you know um that uh we we are learning more and yeah. so, therefore, we're finding out more. And it's not always good news, but at least it helps us if we have answers that we can kind of look forward and help try to find solutions. At least we're looking. Yeah. 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 Can you believe we're almost out of time? But I want to give you a chance to to say all the big global stuff again, where people can find you, where they that great texting number, where people can donate if they want to. Um, and kind of recap this weekend that's coming up. Let's just do one big summary so okay. that everybody knows everything that's going on. Excellent. So September, so first of all, Global Genes, you can find a ton of information on our website at www.globalgenes.org. For the Rare Patient Advocacy Summit that's happening September 14th and 15th, you can find more information out in the events section of our website. For the Rare Partnering and Investor Forum, for those here at ECI that are interested in having their science and tech innovation looked at and possibly presented to investors, it's a great place to be. More information can be found on our website, um, again, in the events under Rare Partnering. Um, uh, the Tribute to Champions of Hope then follows on Saturday. And again, um, on, on our website in the event page, you can learn more about the Tribute to Champions and all of those amazing people that are being honored that we talked about. There's information about how to come and join for all of these different events. Um, if you feel so compelled to join us in our quest to raise, our goal is to raise $200,000 for our Rare Patient Impact Grant. Um, you can do so very easily um, by texting, uh, text the number 41444 and text in the the text box area, text the word RARE2017, all one word, and then you just do one space and you type in $10, $50, whatever it is um, that you're interested in giving and it will immediately give you back um, a confirmation and then you can follow up with your um, credit card information, et cetera. So it's a very easy way to get involved. And again, that's going directly into our rare patient impact grant, where we give grants in increments of five hundred to fifteen thousand dollars for amazing ideas and things that are needed with these small rare disease communities. Um, and you can learn more about things that we funded also on our website as well. I'm going to do that when we get off the air. I think that's great. I'm going to. I'm going to. Bring out my phone and text. Thank you. <laughs> We're grateful. Thank you so much for all of your time. This has been amazing. This has been amazing. This is uh, Ben Nicole Boyce. She is the founder of Global Genes, and uh, we have been talking about rare diseases. There are some great events coming up. You have all the information now. You are armed with all the information you need to participate, to donate, to find out more about rare diseases. If you are impacted by a rare disease, uh, or you know of somebody who is, this is a fantastic resource. 
Uh, Nicole, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have for this week. We will be right back here with you next Thursday. Stay tuned for uh, Ash Kumar coming up next on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great, great day.